Well, let me say welcome to The Bridge. So glad you are joining us online, no matter where you're watching it from. We're glad that you're here. And let me just say real fast, our band is amazing. I would absolutely love for you to give a shout out in the chat window to our band. I'm just telling you, they can play absolutely anything at any time. And we are so grateful and so blessed to have them. So I just wanted to say that before we get started in a series that we are calling, We Need a Hero. Now, let me say this up front. I know that when um, the subject of the end times, the last days, the return of Christ, when that begins being talked about, it seems like there are two different individuals. You have one who, and maybe this is you right now, already covering your ears. I don't want to hear about it. You're just trying to find a happy place. You're thinking that you can go do laundry right now. Uh, you can go get Starbucks for people. It just unnerves you just a little bit. And then there are others in the room, perhaps, who are excited. You have your pen. You have your notebook ready to take notes. I will admit that's the group that I fall in myself. Um, um, I remember my mom teaching me about what would happen in the last days when I was just a kid talking to me about the book of Revelation. Not sure I recommend that to every parent, uh, but that was my experience growing up. What I love now, I'm actually seeing a lot of those things unfold worldwide. Things that she would tell me would happen, they weren't happening at the moment, but they're happening now. Which as a follower of Christ, I just have to tell you, these are exciting days that we live in. Now, again, it might be scary days for some, but for followers of Jesus, not only are the days exciting because we know the time is short, the curtain is about to drop, and as Scripture says, the end of the age is coming quickly. And so we know we will see our Savior face to face very soon. But at the same time, for those who follow Jesus, there should also be something that happens internally with our hearts that we're brokenhearted for those who don't know Christ. Uh, we're brokenhearted for the things that are to come in our world that Scripture speaks of. And we want to address both of those. Why are these exciting times that, we should live, that we're living in? And why are these times that mm, it's unnerving just a little bit? Th this week, um, case in point, uh, I just pulled up a website that would give world events. And these are just a few of the headlines just this week. Of course, we all know, know which one is taking uh, precedence over any other headline, COVID-19, how it is truly a world pandemic that we're living in. Uh, is it a sign of the end of the times? We might talk about that over the next few weeks. But then of course, in our own school system here, we're back to homeschooling, especially in Fort Bend ISD. Yeah, we need a hero quickly for us parents, especially for parents who have kids in different ages and grades. How will we handle this again? We'll see. If we continue on just around the world, just a headline, uh, Iran nuclear site. Is this the facility for Iran nuclear site? Iran is a major player in the end of days. Hopefully in the next coming weeks, we can actually discuss what role Iran plays. But this was a major headline this week. Also, stop white genocide in South Africa. 
Very few people know what's going on in South Africa. The white farmers who have died by the thousands at the hands of the government. You have this taking place. You also have what I put down as the red and green axis shaking hands. You have Marxism and Islamic leaders coming together to form a socialist rule and regime. It sounds good that everyone should be the same. And everyone should be on the same playing field. It sounds right. However, make no mistake about it. What is happening worldwide and coming to America, if we're not awake to it, is this idea of a socialist regime. And make no mistake, it is about a religious power. But does this play a role in the end of days and the end times? I believe it does. We'll talk about that. And then you have economic uncertainty worldwide. Just the COVID event itself, $9 trillion. It's never happened before in history. $9 trillion was taken out of the Federal Reserve to address this issue of what's happening with COVID. But this is also happening worldwide with economic uncertainty. And then we have in America, we come all the way back home to the election. What a pivotal election that we have. Now, I want to say this because we will talk about different presidents. We were talking about different things that presidents have said in the past during the series. When we talk about a president in the past, maybe one you voted for, maybe one you hate or have hated, maybe one you want to vote for, here's what I want you to understand. We will never tell people who to vote for, but you have to understand this. The end times is set in a political environment. You can't get around it. When you read Revelation, when you read what's going to happen in the world, it is a political environment and where it takes place. So we will talk about what other presidents have done, what our president has done to set the stage for what the Bible says is going to happen. It's a scary time that we're living in. And then, of course, this headline, Carol Baskin's takes over the Tiger King environment. They're laughing at me. I mean, this, it's like, what in the world is going on, people? What's happening in our world? This is what we've got to talk about. And here's what we know when you read any headline, we need a hero. And this is why we're doing this series. Because of the times that we're living in, we need a hero. Does the Bible address these issues and more? Absolutely, it addresses those. The word that's used in the Bible is the word prophecy. Prophecy is simply this, the future told in advance. God, standing outside of time, knows what will happen. So he shares that information, telling his followers, telling the world exactly what's going to happen. And you can read the Bible as an ancient text, or you can read it as an ancient text that is more relevant than the Twitter feed you read this morning. It is God's word that is living and active and actually speaks to what is to come. I mean, just look at this for just a moment about prophecy in the Bible. There are 109 prophecies on Christ's first coming. That one's in the books. 109 prophecies about where he would be born, how he would be born, what would happen to him at the latter part of his days with friends betraying him, how he would die pinpoint accuracy to his first coming. His second coming, 329. Three times more prophecies about his second coming than his first, and the first one has already happened. Scripture has a lot to say about Christ's 
second coming. Also, check this out about Bible prophecy. Out of the 27 New Testament books, 23 talk about his second coming. The early church writers wrote over and over, he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. When you break it down for verses, one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament talk about his second coming. Now, our question is, okay, when is it going to happen? Well, we're never told exactly when it's going to happen. But we are told we should look for the signs of when we know it's getting close. We are commanded, study what's happening in the world so you will be ready, so that you will know exactly what's happening so you can be ready to see him face to face. I put it this way, when it comes to Bible prophecy, God wants to prepare us, not scare us. So if you still have your fingers in your ears, just kind of take them out for just a moment. And I want you to hear me say this, your heavenly father who loves you dearly wants you to be prepared, not scared. And just like he did in the Old Testament, just like he did in the New Testament, In times of chaos, in times of uncertainty, he constantly called his people to a place of rest. So can we all just do this together just real fast? Just take a deep breath, exhale, and just find a place of rest right now because God loves you and he wants you to know what's going to happen. Over the next four weeks, This is what we're going to learn from him. Oh, and can I give a spoiler alert real fast when it comes to the end times and the end of the age? Just a spoiler alert. Jesus is the hero and he wins. Can we give some some claps in the clap room, chat room, whatever room you want to call it right now? Because he is the hero and he wins and so does his followers. So if you are a Jesus follower, there is good news that you're going to hear over these next four weeks. If you're not a Jesus follower, and maybe, just maybe, you look at things that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks in your life. That just sounds like Harry Potter. It just sounds so crazy. My encouragement to you, just listen. What if, what if it's all true? And what if? We can believe it to be true, not out of a blind faith, but out of a historical perspective of things that actually have already taken place. And what God promised would happen is actually happening before our very eyes. So let me tell you the goal for the series. The goal for the series is simple. Discover where we are so we will know how to live. Discover where we are. So we will know how to live our lives. Here's what I've discovered. When you talk about things to come and the end of times, I think it creates this burning desire to be right with God, to know him more. And I think it creates this passion to share with our family members, to share with our friends who don't know him so that they would come to know him. And both of those are reasons that New Testament writers wrote about Jesus coming again. Now, I wanna tell you where I wanna start. And then I have a special guest who's gonna speak to us. I wanna start with Israel. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, don't do history, just talk about now. To understand Israel 
is the foundational block for understanding Bible prophecy. Israel is the starting point for Bible prophecy, and it is the staging ground of everything that's going to happen. So if you hang with me for five minutes, let me share with you a little bit about Israel, and then I promise you, I will tie it in to America, and then our special guest will speak to us about what's going on in America. So why is Israel so important? Great question. You think about Israel, it's the size of New Jersey. We're not talking about a huge, huge place. We're talking about a tiny, tiny place. But over 9 million people live there. Why is it the focal point? Why over the past several years do you constantly hear about Israel? It's so small. Size of a postage stamp when it comes to a map. So why in the world is Israel so important? I want to tell you. I want to give you three reasons. Here's the very first reason. Israel was created by God. Israel was God's baby. Israel was God's idea. And God said something about Israel and the nations of how they should treat Israel because he created Israel. Israel is his baby. So here's what God said about Israel so long ago, 4,000 years ago. This is what God said. Watch this. This is important in just a minute. Hang with me. The Lord has said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. God's idea. God's doing. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. Now, if you, if you question Bible prophecy, even if you don't go to church, have you ever heard of a dude by the name of Abraham? Sure you have. Almost everyone has heard of Abraham. Why do you even know of Abraham if you've never even been to Sunday school? God said his name would be great. Check. You will be a blessing to others. Now watch this part. I will bless those who bless you. And I will put a curse on anyone who puts a curse on you. All nations on earth will be blessed because of you. Is that true? Absolutely that's true. What has the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, given to us, even in, our today, in today's world? First of all, they gave us the Bible. If you have a Bible in your home or you have a Bible app on your phone, it's because of Israel. It's because of the Jewish people that you even have an Old Testament and a New Testament. What else came out of Israel? <laughs> the hero of the story. Jesus himself came out of Israel. He was a Jew. He wasn't a blonde-haired, blue-eyed American. He was a Jew. Savior of the world came from Israel, the tribe of Judah. What else did Israel bless the world with? The early, early church. The early uh, church in the first century were Jewish Christians became Christ followers. Because of them, we are even gathered together talking about Jesus, opening up God's word. And even though we can't be together physically, we're united in heart, united in mind, united in spirit as the church, his body. Israel was created by God. And God said this, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Hang on to that for just a minute. The second reason Israel is so important is because Israel is loved by God, the apple of his eye. Uh, as a matter of fact, God said this about Israel. 
For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. It doesn't mean he doesn't love all the peoples on the face of the earth. It just means he chose Israel to be a light to all the peoples on the face of the earth. Why? To be his people, his treasured possession. How would you feel if someone treated your treasured possession, whatever that is for you, in a way that doesn't honor you? God says, I love, I love Israel. They are my treasured possession. Now, what is the third reason? Because the third reason Israel is so important when it comes to Bible prophecy is this. Israel is destined by God. Now, this was so fascinating. God made so many prophecies. He foretold the future in advance about Israel. What would happen? What would they do? What would they not be able to do? What are other nations going to do to Israel? I mean, they are destined by God. It's a fascinating, fascinating thing when you talk about Israel. You know about Israel. Why don't we know about the Romans? Why aren't the Romans still living right now? Why aren't the Persians still living right now? What happened to all of those individuals? And yet you have Israel destined by God through genocide, through nations trying to stamp them out for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They're still living active and making a difference in the world today. Why is that? Because God destined them to play a role in the end of times. Now, here's a little bit of history lesson. Hang with me because this is really, really, really cool. Jesus actually predicted the fall of the temple. And he said, you're going to be scattered. This is going to be a bad, bad, bad day for you. And know what? Jesus was right. Just put that in the chat room just so you can remind yourself. Jesus is right. It's a really good phrase to remember. Jesus is right. But here's what he said. You're going to be scattered. This is going to happen to you. And in 70 AD, the Romans came in and obliterated the temple. It's called the diaspora. The Jews went running for their lives leaving their homes, leaving their cities and running for their lives all over. That event of the desecration of the temple, the demolishing from stones and the gold was actually celebrated in Rome. And there was an arch of Titus actually built to commemorate that event that the Romans won. They were victorious over the Jews, which is not hard to do because they were all poor anyway, but they won and this stands today in Rome. Rome. Now, when that happened, Jews were scattered absolutely everywhere. But God had made a prophecy long ago in the book of Ezekiel about what would happen after this event. Here's what God said would happen. I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and, this was God's promise, bring you back into your land. Now, this was prophesied 2,500 years before it ever happened. That God says, you're going to be scattered, but here's what I'm going to do in the end times, in the end of days. I will bring you back. Now, has this happened? Did it happen? In a miraculous way, this happened. After World War I, 
the allied for Ottoman Empire falls. The allied uh, nations come together and they come together at the San, uh, San Remo Conference and they make an unbelievable decision. These men meet together. They make a decision. All Jews should go back to their homeland. And they went one step further. And, and they should be given their land back to them. Watch this. As recorded in the Bible. This is crazy amazing. Their boundaries should be exactly as defined in Scripture. I'm just telling you, this was a miraculous moment for Jewish people. God promised in Ezekiel, I'm going to call you back and I will bring you back. This happens. Something took place, though, at the time of an empire, of a rule, of the British rule, who were large and in charge with their influence. They actually started folding under the pressure of the Arabs, wanting to make a British mandate for all of Palestine. Listen, God has said over and over, you don't touch my people, you don't touch their land. This is my people and my land. Arab pressure forced them to back away from Israel. And that's exactly what they did. The British rule turned their back on Israel and basically said, you're on your own. You're by yourself. When they did that, the Arab forces started coming into Israel and attacking the Jewish people who were trying to just move back into their homeland as God had promised them. At that moment, it's as if God took his hand off of British rule and was looking for someone else to move in. In 1948, guess who came to their aid? America. Under President Truman, it's as if God would then shift the influence from the British rule to American rule because now we move in to help and be an ally to the Jewish people in Israel. And the state of Israel is born. Listen to me. When that happened, God started the time clock for the end of time. This moment was huge, not just for Israel, not just for America, but for the world. And at this moment, the baton was passed to America. Now America became the leader in the world. Why would this happen? Didn't God make a promise 4,000 years ago to Abraham? Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. Now America becomes economic leaders. Now America becomes foreign policy leaders. Now America becomes social leaders. Now America is being blessed by God over and over and over. And God made a promise Jews would return. Since that time, that's exactly what has happened and is happening. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands from 1948 to now are returning just like God said they would in the last days. Nine million Jews now live in this little place called Israel. Why would that happen? God promised. They're special to God. An author, a brilliant scholar on the end times and scripture said this about this moment. Milton Lindbergh said this, without the existence of the nation of Israel, we would not be able to say with certainty that we are in the last days. 
that single event, 1948, more than any other, is the most prominent sign that we are living in the final moments before the coming of Jesus. The Hebrew people have been called God's timepiece of the ages. Well said. Matches up perfect with what God said. And this is what happened. Fast forward to President Trump. Cannot be argued. The most pro-Israel president our nation has ever seen. In the last three years, three and a half years, President Trump with Benjamin Netanyahu had become a force to be reckoned with. This, my opinion, has brought about so many blessings on America. Uh, You know, take his Twitter account out of the picture, okay? But you cannot argue this fact of what has happened with America and around the world because of this relationship. And when he said the U.S. recognizes Jerusalem as Israel's capital, I'm just telling you, God's heart in this moment was like a nation who's standing with my people. This is what I'm calling because, because Israel is God's capital for the world. This was a massive biblical moment in the end of times, not just for America, but for the world. However, in January of 2020, question for you real fast. Has 2020 been good for you? Has 2020 been nice to us as Americans? It's been a pretty rough year. A president of the United States cannot get this wrong. A president of the United States cannot get Israel wrong. If they get this wrong, if they get it wrong, there are warnings that will be given over and over and over and over because it's God's prized possession. And in January of this year, 2020, President Trump, two states, something was submitted for a vision for peace. Every president has tried to bring peace to Israel. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But this in January was just wrong. To divide the land, scripture says any nation who tries to touch their property, God's property of Israel for his people, it's like you're cutting yourself on rocks over and over and over and over. Is this the reason America in 2020 has experienced so much turmoil? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just a sign of the times. I'm not sure, but this is why. I'm excited to have with us each week during this series, Jeff Kinley. Jeff Kinley, I like to call a prophecy pro. He's written so many books on what scripture says the end of days will be like and what will happen. Jeff is a really good friend of ours. He's been here to speak. He's spoken at our student camps before. And I've asked Jeff, the prophecy pro, he'll like me saying that, to speak into the topic that we're talking about each Sunday. He actually wrote a book on this, The End of America. You can find this and other books at jeffkinley.com. But Jeff, I'm gonna turn it over to you to let us know where does America fit into the end of time? 
Hey, thanks so much, Kenny. You know, I'm very excited that you guys are going through this series on Bible prophecy because it's so important for us to understand and know the times in which we're living and really what God's Word has to say about it. I think the most important question we can always ask ourselves as it relates to this is not what is the news saying or what are people saying, but what does the Bible say? Because Scripture is our only most reliable source that we can trust in times like this. You know, when Jesus was asked in Matthew 24 by His disciples, Lord, what will be the sign of your coming again and of the end of the age? And before Christ launches into this mini-apocalyptic narrative that we read there, it's really sort of a mini-version of Revelation, He says to him, He says, See to it that no one misleads you, for false Christs and false prophets will arise, misleading many. And in a world that we live in today where so many people have a voice on things, it's important for us not to listen to what's going on in the world, but to listen to what God says in His Word and to make sure that we're not being misled. And the most important way to do that is to stick to the Scriptures and what Christ says in His Word. So with that in mind, let's talk about America for a few minutes. What does the Bible say about America? I mean, Kenny just did a great job explaining to us how God has this special covenant relationship with the nation Israel. And in fact, there are promises God made to Israel that He's going to make good on at the end of the age. But what about America? What about other Gentile nations? I mean, where do we fit into God's plan? I think we can look in the Scripture and we can find a couple of answers to that. As Kenny already mentioned, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God said about Israel, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And as you just trace throughout history, you've seen that the nations that have been unwilling to work with Israel, the nations that have been cruel to Israel, are basically on the ash heap of history. You think about nations like Egypt is no longer a world power. But where are the Assyrians? Uh, where are the Babylonians? Where are the Persians today? Uh, these are not major powers. And so bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. But what about America? Well, we know that America has been Israel's strongest ally since her rebirth in 1948. But since then, we've continued to be sort of a big brother uh, to Israel. And so in that sense, we see America having a relationship to the prophetic narrative through having a relationship uh, with Israel. But also the Bible tells us that, that Gentile nations can also have a relationship with God. Not so much a covenant relationship as His chosen people, but more so responding to the truth that God has given to mankind. And the scripture tells us that every person, and really every person in every nation, is born with a sense of morality and a sense of conscience. And as nations respond to the basic moral code that God has pretty much embedded within all of us in our DNA, when we respond to that basic moral code, then we too can live lives of blessings. It's when we depart from that that we begin to experience some of the natural and divine consequences of God's judgment. So let's ask the question, is America in Bible prophecy? Well, you already know that as you go through your Bible, you don't see the word America mentioned anywhere in the Bible. Of course, you don't see Canada or Bolivia or Mexico or you know, many other countries mentioned as well. But some people think that they do find America in Bible prophecy. In fact, I list in my book, The End of America, six different theories on where people think they can find America in Bible prophecy. It's sort of like a UFO sighting they claim they've seen America in the Bible. And yet, as you study the Scripture, what we do find is that when we get to the end of the age, when we get to Revelation, what Daniel says about the end times, 
we don't see this world superpower in existence, or at least we don't see her as being a major player on the scene. And that's a little bit disturbing, admittedly, because, you know, we're Americans. I mean, we, we love our country, and we kind of think we're a big deal. I mean, we're really the world's greatest superpower in the world today. Uh, we've done more good for the gospel of Jesus Christ than any nation on planet Earth in human history. For that reason alone, we've made an impact on the world. But where is America? The Bible is strangely silent on this issue. We don't see her as a part of the ten-nation confederation that the Antichrist will lead, although it's possible that we could be absorbed in that. But apparently something happens to America that weakens her position on the global scene, or at least removes her as a world superpower. I believe that crisis that is coming is something that Kenny's going to talk about here uh, perhaps next week. And so as we look at Scripture, we don't see really America in Bible prophecy, but it doesn't mean that America hasn't had an impact so far. So we have to ask the question, then, where are we now? I mean, does the Bible say anything about where we are right now in our history? And I believe that it does. We see two passages in the New Testament that I think accurately describes what we're currently experiencing in our country today. One of them is in Romans chapter 1, where Paul outlines really the death of a nation. And he talks about God's wrath being revealed. And when you think of God's wrath, you, you, you may think of, of like eternal wrath, people perhaps spending eternity away from God in an awful place called hell. Or you might think of God's catastrophic wrath. I mean, things like the flood uh, that came in Noah's day in Genesis uh, chapter 6 through 9. Or you may think of other types of God's expressions uh, of wrath. But in Romans chapter 1, we see what is called God's abandonment wrath. And basically what Paul unfolds for us and what he unpacks for us is the really the devolving of a nation, of a culture, of a people group uh, from being a worshiper of God to being completely godless. And he begins by talking about, and by the way, I encourage you to read this in your own Bibles and see if this doesn't read like, like today's Twitter feed. Is basically what happens is, is when we abandon a belief in God, and we began to remove God from our consciousness and from our culture, what happens is, is basically the lights go out. And the light of truth that God has given to each of us internally and externally through creation, Romans says, that light is snuffed out. So as you know, if you're, when you're walking around in a dark room, you can't see. And so you just begin feeling around. You begin making up scenarios in your head. And that's what Romans 1 says. It says that we began to have foolish speculations about what life is all about, about what we're all about, what, about what humanity is all about. And that leads ultimately to the fact that we begin to worship false gods. This idolatry that Romans 1 talks about then leads to a sexual revolution. And it says at this point, God begins to give us over to our own desires. In other words, God is saying, because God is a gentleman, He says, look, if you really want to go this way, I will allow you to do it. You have freedom in your choices, but there is not freedom in the consequences. And so we're given over to a sexual revolution. This then leads, uh, the Bible says in Romans 1, to a homosexual revolution, where we begin to choose things that are even more apart from God's original design uh, than just departing from His sexual uh, prescriptions. And so we go from a sexual revolution to a homosexual revolution. And then the third time, God says He gave them over. Three times He says this. And it's a judicial phrase that God uses there. 
But the third phrase that, that he gives in verse 28 is, it says he gives them over to a depraved mind. And the word depraved just simply means to fail the test, or in other words, it just doesn't work right anymore. And so we become a culture of people whose minds don't work right. Uh, we don't think about God or each other or sexuality or morality or the family or the unborn or any of these things like God wants us to. And our minds become depraved. And what happens in that continual devolution is, is that we not only begin to practice sins, but it says in that passage that we begin to celebrate those who practice the sins. And today what we're seeing in our country is not just the, the allowance of sin, uh, not just the legalization of sin, not just the promotion of sin, but the actual celebration of sin. And it e even goes further than that to the point where those of us who are not celebrating the sin are made to feel like we're the ones who are the bad guys. And that's what Isaiah said in Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who say evil is good and good is evil. So that Romans 1 passage really is a great description, I think, of where we are right now. Another passage you might look up is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, where it just talks about all the characteristics of people in the last days. And read that and see if you think that doesn't match up. These are all prophetic things. These are all things that the Bible prescribes and tells us that are going to happen in the last days. So you say, well, Jeff, what, what can I do about this? Let me just give you one thought here as we leave. The one thing you can do, that every Christian can do, that every God-seeker can do, is to know and discern. To know and discern. In other words, be informed. And when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he just simply said this. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed about what's going to take place. Because knowledge is power. With knowledge, we can feel confident. We can have clarity. But in our ignorance or without the biblical knowledge that God wants to give us, it creates what? Ignorance, obviously, fear, and anxiety, and then confusion as well. And God doesn't want any of us to be confused in these crazy times that we're living in right now. So I just encourage you to know and discern. And then Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5, he says, don't you guys remember I was telling you these things about the end times when I was with you? And so when Paul planted churches, one of his core curriculums involved telling people about the end times. Why? Because God wants us to know. And knowing makes us confident, gives us clarity, and most of all, it gives us hope. And hope is what this series is all about. Kenny, back to you. Thank you, Jeff. You're going to be excited to hear from him each and every week. But it's kind of startling, isn't it? Remember up at the top of the message, I talked about how it's so exciting to know we're close. We're so close. And yet there is a part of us where our hearts should break because of those who don't know him. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you have never given your life to Christ and there's something that just troubles you about what you've heard. I want to give you today the words of Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, but believe in me also. And there are many rooms in my father's house. If this were not true, would I have told you that I'm going there? What I've told you, that I'd prepare a place for you there? If I go and do that, here's his promise. I will come back and I will take you to be with me. We're gonna talk about that next week. Then 
you will also be where I am. This is where we find peace, wherever he is. And in a chaotic time, in a time to where we don't know what's going to happen next week, much less next month, next year, Jesus' invitation remains the same. I want you to come to me. I want your heart to have peace because that is found with me. If you have never given your, your, your life to Jesus in a relationship with him, that's what I'm inviting you to do today. If you want to know him, I have good news. He really wants you to know him personally. Not religion, not in a religious kind of way, but in a personal in a heavenly father, in a saving way. He wants to be your hero, not just of things to come, but of your life. He wants to be your hero. I want to invite you to pray with me right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if that's you, just say, Jesus, I want you to be my hero. The best way I know how, I give my life to you. I surrender everything to you. You know my past. You're very aware of my present. So I trust you with my future. I surrender to your lordship. I admit all my wrongdoings. I believe you're the hero of my story today. You died for me, came back to life for me. And I believe today you're gonna come back to get me one day. So I put my life in your hands and I will find peace with you today in a relationship. Thank you for saving me today. Thank you for rescuing me from me today. It's in your name I pray, amen.